Welcome to Life Play. This is George G. And the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Dr. Eric Corum. Dr. Eric, are you ready to do this? Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Excited to be everyone. here. Yeah, let's go. Dr. Eric is a sports scientist. He's the founder and CEO of AIM7. He is the host of the Blueprint Podcast. He's working to unleash the power of wearables to improve health and lives. Dr. Eric, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, why you do what you do. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I'm uh, living in Houston, Texas now. Uh, after spending about 16 years in pro and college football, lived all over the United States. So I'm, I'm a husband to uh, my wife, Haley, for 14 years. We have three boys. But uh, prior to starting AIM-7, and I'll call it late 2020, um, I spent, like I said, uh, almost two decades working with elite athletes. And um, my job ended up becoming uh, turning wearable data into actionable recommendations to improve performance and reduce injury. So about it's over a decade now, I pioneered the use of athlete wearables in the U.S. So if you've ever seen an NFL game, the Super Bowl is coming up, they'll show a player running like 20 miles an hour down the field. That's the technology I brought to the United States. And the problem we had when we first started using is we had tons of data no actionable way to use it. And as you know, data without insight is useless. And so I ended up hiring a former NASA propulsion engineer. And once we were able to kind of organize the data, we were able to reverse engineer the game of football. I was at Florida State at the time. And in one season, we had an 88% reduction in injury. Our team went on to win a championship. And then this kind of blew up out of that. So in late 2020, I pivoted Todd, this idea of working on AIM-7 because I realized that over 100 million Americans own wearables now, Apple Watches, Fitbits, but wearables, you know, they just show you data. They don't tell you how to use it. And, you know, people want these devices to change their behavior, to sleep better, to exercise more, to be more resilient. And like I said, it's just descriptive data. So what? I slept six hours or walked 5,000 steps. Like, what does it mean? So I started AIM-7. And we turn your data into personalized recommendations for your mind, body, and recovery to help you look, feel, and perform better. So uh, it's been a big change. Uh, I enjoy now in, in, in sport terms being the head coach now. Um, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, we're actually rolling the product out in a private beta this month. Well, congratulations. Thank you. It's got to be mildly stressful. <laughs> A little bit, uh, but it's a good stress. It's like an exciting, you know, stress. Stress is one input and the same, you can either perceive it as debilitating or facilitating. And right now it's really facilitating action. How did you, what, what from sports science to then recognizing the, the importance of, 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 of data, was that obvious to you to 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 get into that, or you're just constantly trying to figure out how do I get people to perform just a little bit better? Because at the level you're talking about, mm. it makes such a huge difference. Yeah. So I started as a traditional strength and conditioning coach, and the unfortunately the way that your your you know your performance is measured is by do athletes you know run faster lift more, jump higher. So it's really all about data. And so the, the field of human performance, there's a lot of statistics that are done. 
And we're always looking for that smallest worthwhile change to say like, did this intervention yield this result? And then you start baking in, in a high performance model, there's a physical, psychological, technical, tactical, and intellectual component. And so I was tracking and trying to figure out like which components led to which results. And in 2011, I went to Australia to learn about the emerging field of sports science and athlete wearables hmm. in Australian rules football. I brought that technology back. Sports science didn't exist in the United States. So this was literally, there was no playbook. I was duct taping these devices to the pads of players. It was connected mm -hmm. to GPS satellites. It was telemetry data. But I knew that if if we didn't understand what the game was, nobody had ever measured the game like the players in game. So for instance, we found out that a receiver may run seven to 8,000 yards in a game of which is several thousand yards of high speed distance versus a lineman may only sprint 50 yards in an entire game. So then you number, now you understand like what the requirements are. And that's just, I mean, we could figure out how many times they turn left and right and all this stuff. Now we got to train them for that. And then we got to understand if, if the engine's starting to redline, just like you would on your vehicle. But just like in business or anything else, if you don't know what excellence is or if you don't know the parameters of the game you're playing, it's just a shot in the dark. But once we quantified it, then we can go, oh, now we can develop plans to improve it. That makes perfect sense, right? Uh, mm. So I appreciate you sort of walking me through the, the, the progression. And it's amazing when you look back in just a very, very short amount of time, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, the athletes are completely different the way we look. Um, and, and, and even regular people like me, uh, now I'm 44 years old and I hope to, I hope to remain super active and be in shape and, and all these things as long as I possibly can be. And I don't need to be, you know, an NCAA elite athlete to take advantage of this stuff. No, we've got the same from a, from a data perspective, you can track and measure at almost the same, um, fidelity that elite athletes can now. Uh, almost even more. You have more accessible to you, many different options. Um, but once again, it's just data without an actionable plan. And, and you are very fit. So you are, you know, doing things to improve your health. Most people, you know, the the majority of people need to be doing, you know, basic things to improve their fitness, to improve stress resilience and longevity. And then once you kind of hit the basics, then you can start kind of layer on these 1%. But a lot of time people are too focused on the 1% and they're missing the, the basic stuff. So the basic stuff we're worried about, I'm, I'm stressed out. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not sleeping well. I'm, yeah. I'm not motivated. I don't feel good. Yeah. So all uh, the people listening to this show want to improve in business, want to improve their finances, want to improve uh, physically. Um, and I'll just start with this. Like we're in a stressed out society. Uh, I think that the numbers are pretty staggering right now. Uh, I recently saw that the American psychological association said that burnout is at an all time high. It's like 50% of all workers report being burnout. And, uh, ultimately our ability to thrive comes down to our ability to adapt to stress. The human body is an adaptation machine. It's an amazing machine. It's an amazingly designed system to adapt to whatever comes at it. The problem is, is it's stress is not the problem. 
Stress is actually the gateway to growth. If you want to improve physically, what do you have to do? You have to train and exercise, right? If you want to improve your cardiovascular system, you have to engage in aerobic exercise. You want to improve strength, you have to lift weights. If you want to learn a new skill, you have to engage, deliberately engage in the task of learning, which improves something called neuroplasticity so that your brain can change and modify itself and learn new skills. The problem is, is when the, the amount of stress exceeds your capacity to adapt to it. Or as I say, you have this low-grade fever of stress. And so what we need to do is flip the paradigm on its head. And we need to stop talking about managing stress. And we need to start talking about how we can build the capacity to adapt to more stress with less cost. So if you think about it like a gas tank, if you have a small gas tank and you're not going to be able to go very far without having to stop, refill, and it can be really easy to run out of gas in the middle of nowhere, we can build a bigger tank for stress. And so the way that you can do that, there are just really five simple things. And that is uh, sleep, exercise, nutrition, mental fitness, and living in community or fostering healthy relationships. Now, there's some nuance to all of this. But the scientific literature is very clear that those things not only improve longevity and the quality of your life, but they prevent the com most preventable lifestyle diseases in America. Diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and diabe diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and obesity. It's like a $4.1 trillion spend on our society right now. And so if you can engage in the behaviors associated with these things consistently over time, you can build the capacity to pursue difficult goals, to take on very difficult obstacles, to stretch and push your body without burning out. Because burnout is, I can't adapt anymore. My body gets sick, breaks down, and ultimately it can get really nasty. That makes a ton of sense. Instead of trying to get rid of stress, you know, and, and as you said that, it sounds so obvious, like, oh, you know, how in the world would we ever get rid of stress? That's the kind of a silly thing because I have no control over what's going to happen to me. What makes more sense is for me to increase my ability to handle the stress. Mm -hmm. So um, to, to, to increase the size of that stress gas tank through better sleep, better exercise, better nutrition, better mental fitness, and making sure I have a healthy community around me. You nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds so simple. There's a lot of science behind this. Um, our, not, our view of stress really kind of started changing about 20 years ago. There's a guy named Bruce McEwen. He's a giant in the field of neuroendocrinology. And he talked about this thing, this state called allostasis. Hmm. It, allostasis is the ability to achieve stability through change. Your body internally, it's fluctuating all the time. But what it wants is this homeostasis, right? This, this level playing field, all is good. The problem is, is there's a cost to adaptation. When you take on physical stress, when you take on a difficult work project or something really difficult happens in your family life, there's a cost. It's called allostatic load. And so what you have to do is you have to understand the cost of adaptation. And then you have to build the capacity for more. And there's several things that you can do to set up these systems for optimal adaptation. And if you engage in those behaviors consistently, um, 
you can the game the game will change for you. So just like when you discover that a wide receiver in football runs five miles a game or whatever that was, okay. So we need to make sure that that this person is able to certainly run that, but not only that, in the fourth quarter, to be able to run his fastest when the game is on the line. So how do we use the information that we have to make sure that we've done all the prep work and all the training and find that allostasis for wide receiver to be able to run? And then for me, I've got two boys, one kid on the way. I'm 44. I need to be able to sleep for this much time. And so how do I position myself for success in the endeavors that I want to pursue? That's exactly right. That is what you nailed it. I mean, that's, this is it. So we can talk about a few things that I think are high yield return. Would you like to do that? Yeah. Great. So the first one, have you ever heard of the circadian system? Yes. It's about circadian literally means about 24 hours. So we have circadian rhythms. We have old training rhythms. So my doctoral work was in sleep and how it impacts our brain's ability to adapt to stress. So this, this whole idea has been like eight years in the making. I just didn't know it. And so one of the first things that we learn is that if you want to unhinge somebody, you disrupt their circadian system. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can really pull somebody apart mentally and physically. And so there's um, there's this thing called the suprachiasmatic nucleus or the circadian pacemaker. It sits above the top of the roof of your mouth and it sets the their circadian clock every day. Now, every cell in your body has these clock genes. It's pretty wild. And I've been going down the rabbit hole on this for years and it's just we're uncovering so much. But... One of the first things Bruce McEwen talked about in his research was if you want to set your body up for adaptation to stress, you have to anchor your circadian clock. Well, how do you do that? A couple of the primary anchors. Number one is light. When we view light, there's a quality of light specifically early in the day that will interact with the suprachiasmatic nucleus. And it sends a signal to all the cells in your body that it's time to be alert. And awake. It does that by increasing body temperature, increasing cortisol. Cortisol, the stress hormone, makes you feel alert and energetic. You want to view sunlight multiple times during the day. In the morning, you want to go out in the afternoon. We were not designed to live indoors all the time. Like this is just, we are finding, I actually had, um, Dr. Michelle Gums on my podcast, The Blueprint, recently. She's a circadian biologist at the University of Florida that studies the clock genes in the kidneys. This is wild. Mm-hmm. They are finding that when your circadian clock is not anchored consistently, consistently and you don't have good sleep patterns, they're finding that it impacts cardiovascular function, uh, kidney health, all of this stuff. So you need to see light early in the morning, and then you need to go out several times during the day and view light. If you can have a window near where you're sitting, where you're getting some light through that, but you need to go outside. Okay. The other thing is when the sun goes down, guess what? You need to start dimming the lights in your house because it dramatically impacts things like one hormone in particular called melatonin, which not only helps you sleep, but also has massive antioxidant properties. We're actually starting to find that it's like the number one antioxidant for the body. It's secreted by the pineal gland, and it's also made of the mitochondria of your different cells. So one of the ways you can anchor your clock is sunlight. Number two is food. And so eating early in the day 
There may need to be a buffer about an hour to an hour and a half after waking for blood glucose regulation. That is a strong circadian anchor. It helps you, it alerts the body that, hey, it's time to go. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, eating too late can really jack up your your circadian system. So it's kind of like Sachin Panda has done some amazing research on this. And they're finding, you know, about an hour and a half to two hours after waking, it's a good time to eat. And then you want to give yourself about five hours before bed. Another thing is exercise. Exercising, like when you wake up in the morning, if you can, go out for a walk, start moving, start moving the body. So if you just did light food and exercise and you got plenty of those things consistently, your circadian clock is going to be anchored. I'll just tell you something really quick. We used to go to the NFL Combine. That's I think it's going to start here in the next six weeks. And it was in Indianapolis. It was in the winter. And it was in, you know, Lucas Oil Stadium. You'd stay in a hotel, but there was these tunnels, right, that you get you to Lucas Oil. I would go like several days without going outside, hmm. and I would just start getting depressed, feeling weird. And I'm like, "What is wrong with me?" And then I'm like, "You dummy! Like you, you <laughs> haven't, you haven't put into practice what you've been told." That is one of the if right now, if you're struggling with energy, you're struggling with your sleep. Get outside early in the morning, at least five to at least 10 minutes. I know right now we're in the winter. It's hazy. It's cloudy. You're going to have to do it a little bit more every so 90 minutes or so. If you're at your house or in your loft, just go outside for a few minutes. Get next to a window. You will start noticing a significant change in your energy, in your sleep, and your body's now going to be set up to adapt to stress. So that's like a high that's a high yield return behavior that everybody can engage in. I love it. All right. So everything you said makes a lot of sense. So I, I walked me through the process of, of engaging with aim seven, how I do it, what, what, what the experience is. Yeah. So what aim seven does is we do uh, acutely every day. We send you recommendations for, I say mind, body and recovery. One of the things that we do better than anybody in the world is we can prescribe you the exact type, intensity, and duration of exercise that your body is ready to adapt to today. Just because it's written down that I'm supposed to go to the gym or do that doesn't mean your body's ready for that. Dr. Chris Morris on our team actually coined this this phrase, fluid periodization. We make it super simple. So one of the things we can do is based off of all the stuff that you track on your Apple Watch or whatever, we'll be like, oh... Today's the day for you to go maybe get on the elliptical because we see you like to do that. Go this heart rate and this duration. Or today's the day to go to the gym and do this, this, and this. From a mental perspective, we can assess your acute mental state. And then we give you in real time recommendations to change things. So let's say we notice that you're stressed. We'll send you a breath work tool in the moment to regulate your autonomic nervous system. Or let's say that we see your mood is down. We would send you a quick gratitude intervention. And then from a sleep perspective, we send you individualized sleep and napping recommendations and our algorithms kind of move you to these ideal states. But here's where it gets really cool. After seven days, we analyze all your data. Just like we would do with an elite athlete, we set this up with how we how could we deliver this type of service to anybody in the world with a wearable. When you bring in an elite athlete, you don't just go, oh, here's the program. You have to gather some data. So we gather this data, we analyze and we're like, ah, George, here's the number one area you need to focus on. Let's say it is sleep. I'm just going to throw something out there. Then we're going to create you a weekly goal 
and we're going to help walk you in that direction. And then we're going to unlock a content library from the best in the world. It's like masterclass for health and wellness into very short videos, 60 to 90 second increments. And we're going to teach you the behaviors that will create the conditions for restful and fulfilling sleep. We do the same thing for body, for the mental state. We have like the senior sports psychologist for the U.S. Olympics teaching stuff in there. When we went out and got some amazing folks. So we close the loop on this. We give you the daily recommendations. We help set the targets for what you need to improve. And then we give you the educational resources to do it. And we built this whole thing for busy people, busy professionals, busy moms and dads. They're like, look, I care about my health. But I, I don't have two hours to go to the box, you know, and eat quinoa with my bros or download my aura data and try to figure we do it all for you. And you literally just click a button. And it tells you what to do. Love it. Super powerful. Thank you. I'm going to get to. <laughs> oh, man, I have a dad joke to make. I'm just going to keep getting nap suggestions all day long. <laughs> Why don't you lay down for a minute? <laughs> I love it. That's super powerful. I think that that's a. I mean, from a human flourishing standpoint, which is what we're trying to accomplish, what, what I'm trying to accomplish, help people get better. Um, I think that this is really exciting. Um, so I'm great, grateful for your work and uh, excited that that you're putting it out into the world. So thank you for coming on. Where can people learn more? How can they get involved? Yeah, uh, aim7.com, AIM7.com. We're about to release this into private beta, which means you can't get this on the App Store. We're releasing it to small cohorts. In the first month, you get four Zoom calls with me and my team. It's 15 bucks a month. I mean, this isn't very expensive. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Eric Corum. And then, like you mentioned before, the Blueprint Podcast. We just like you, we take we just so cutting edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics. And we try to break these episodes in like 15 minute chunks for busy folks. So it'd be a good adjunct to what you're doing. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Dr. Eric your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to aim the number seven.com. Check out everything we've been talking about today. Find Eric on Instagram and Twitter. I'll link those in the notes of the show and check out the Blueprint podcast as well. And if you are like me and trying to perform at the highest level as I can, this could be a good fit and a good program for you to get involved with. Thanks again, Dr. Eric. Thank you. I appreciate it. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.